What if it did work? What if you took action and made it happen and started living inside of your purpose? What if it did work? Right now you can make the choice to never listen to that negative voice no more. The hardest prison to escape is our own mind. I was trapped inside that prison all for a long time. To make it happen, you gotta take action. Just imagine what if it did work? Are you a startup or a business owner looking to collaborate with industry-leading influencers on social media? Then sign up at accessmynetwork.com and start your brand awareness campaigns or lead gen campaigns on our platform. Again, it's accessmynetwork.com. What if it did work? Well, super excited, super happy. Another day, another episode. And one of my favorite people, I've, I've had you on, I've, I've been on your podcast, you've been on mine, well, th- you'll, you'll officially be on mine, and then we're on the Business Rumble, so we're like-minded people, but here, let, enough of all, all the hubbub, heartbeat for hire, Lynn, my good friend, Lindsay Dowd, Lindsay has a 25-year highly decorated sales career as an individual contributor, manager, and executive. As the founder of Heartbeat for Hire, she helps sales team and leaders elevate their culture in order to increase profits, employee retention, and career fulfillment across the board. She has expertise in software sales, building first-of-a-kind businesses, channels, leadership, management, diversity, and storytelling. She has built diverse and highly productive teams for 23 years at IBM and has a spirit of radical candor, tenacity, and fun. Her energy and enthusiasm, just like me reading this, are contagious, and she has devoted her career to making sellers and managers be wildly successful. How's it going, Lindsay? It's good, Omar. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. That was a decent intro, right? <laughs> sure, absolutely. It's all, <laughs> all the truth. Exactly. Uh, well, you know, I, that, that's the only thing I get out of my two degrees in communication is, is now I, I get to read the intro in my, my radio or my broadcasting voice. So welcome. Thank you. You know, I got to say, you're in the minority, we're in the minority when it comes to culture, when it comes to having an actual functional team. Instead of dysfunctional team, mm-hmm. I, I I have to ask you, did you just have like horrible jobs before you hit IBM, and and that's that's where this no. came all about, or or how did how how did the process begin for you? Yeah, no, I didn't. I I had the opposite actually. I, I had some really tremendous leaders in my my long long career, um, and I had some crap ones too. And um, I when I had the opportunity to actually lead a team. I kind of cherry picked all of the good things that I noticed from other leaders. And what I recognized very quickly was how my team responded. And I knew how I responded when people said really good things to me that were encouraging, that were empowering, that were um, inspiring. And I knew that was the kind of leader I wanted to be. And I knew how it felt when a leader was none of those things. And I knew how my peers felt. And I took those lessons too. So I have so many examples of why this is so important. And the reality is when the culture is good and when people feel valued and seen, they perform. And not only do they perform, 
they have pride of place. And when you're a business owner or you're running a big company, you want your people to be proud of where they work. There's nothing worse than sending out swag and having it go right in the donation pile because they're never going to wear it. Um, but you want them to feel that sense of pride and leaders are responsible for giving that. Well, that there's a difference between a leader and just a boss. Mm-hmm. I, I had, I, I, it was just the opposite. That's, I never thought I wanted to be an entrepreneur, except I've had boss after boss, corporate America, TV stations, worked for a televangelist. It was just all like mind blowing. And it was like, uh, and it even bled into, I became an entrepreneur, but yet I still deal with companies that have no culture, that see people as just a number, my way or the highway. And the, the thing that they don't understand is millennials and Gen Zs, they're, they, they got jiggy with it. They, they heard from their parents. They heard from their grandparents that, you know, they don't, they don't want to be treated like dirt for 10, 20, 30, 40 years, well, right? And it's not just them. I mean, everybody has recognized, you know, the, the pandemic gave us this kind of cleansing. And, you know, I know for me, especially, I became much more selective about the people I wanted in my life. I became more selective about how I wanted to spend my time. But people were doing the same kind of thing for their careers. And I watched people leaving jobs in droves, and some of them not even having a job to go to. They were fed up. They didn't want to be treated that way anymore. And so these companies have now had a wake-up call and they've had an opportunity to say, okay, what are my leaders doing? And are they leading in the right way? And sales is such an interesting spot for this, Omar, because what happens in sales, I think there's a bit of a lack of creativity with a lot of sales leaders. You'll find someone who is crushing their number quarter after quarter, year after year, and the company says, we got to take what that rep is doing and magnify it, make them a manager. Well, that person might not care about anybody else besides themselves. And when you put them in a management role, they are going to basically do the bare minimum to get their team to do what they need to do because they don't know differently. They haven't been taught differently. And the truth of the matter is, your best managers might not be the best reps, but they're people that delight in the success of others. And when you can put those people in place, you can build the best teams. And those people are the ones that ask the questions, how can I be the best manager for you? They can see where their team superpowers are. They can stack their teams and then they can build a, a, a path for success, a career path for these people that the other leader wouldn't be able to do. Well, you're right. I think the thing is, though, is when you have a superstar in sales or in any aspect, they can't relate. They they can't connect to the person that's been off and on red, means below numbers for everybody not in sales, that that they're they're not in it, hitting their numbers. They, to them, it's like, oh, that person sucks. Same thing in sports or anything. It's because to me, you have to have empathy. The best leader is somebody that can relate. The but best I would argue there, right? But both both sides have had good months, bad months. Can know it's you're, you're not going to be the all star hitting on all cylinders all the time, right? But I would argue 
I, at least I knew, and I managed some reps who were absolutely phenomenal. I mean, really rock star reps making million dollar commission checks. And I'm thinking of one rep in particular. She should never have been a manager. And thankfully, everyone saw that that was not the right role for her. But why couldn't we give her an opportunity to speak on an all hands call and tell her story? Why couldn't we have her teach a class on how to talk to your clients? That would be incredibly motivating for her. Why not give levels of um, completion in her role so she advances in her career? So it's not just the same role time after time. You know, this this that same rep was given some really rotten advice. And someone said, you know, your resume looks stale. You haven't changed what you're doing in 10 years. She's making million dollar commission checks. Go pound sand. She's great. Let her be. Let her keep doing what she's doing. She had different client lists each year. She was crushing it year over year. And she understood how to provide value to her clients. She was where she should be. And that's what leaders don't really understand. Well, a lot of times companies, they promote managers just based well, okay, the sales department, oh, well, this guy is crushing it. Mm-hmm. Let's just promote him. Instead of acknowledging mm-hmm. he's ama- he or she's amazing and rewarding him in other aspects. So like, okay, we'll, we'll just give him the title. That's it. We want we yeah. want you, with zero leadership experience, it's not like they, they you know, give him a John Maxwell book even or anything, you know, they, these companies have a couple posters up on leadership and teamwork, and they expect that to happen. Then other aspects, the manager is always the one that's just been there the longest, and not, not based on any, you know, well, congratulations, you know, you survived Survivor Island, you're, you're our manager, not, not because you've shown leadership skills. It's true. I mean, I think what people forget and I hear this a lot in sales is, you know, are you making time to get to know your people? Are you taking the time to understand who they are, what their family life is like, what makes them tick? And when I hear these words, I don't have time for that. I only have time to do my forecast and get my stuff done. Well, here's a newsflash. It's your responsibility as a leader. You've got to do it. If you don't take the time to get to know your people, who will? You'll never know what kind of talent you have on your team if you don't take the time to ask them, what do you love about this job? What have you loved about jobs before it? Hey, what do you like to eat? Find some common, do you have a dog? Do you have a cat? Like really base level connection where you can start to build some trust. And what happens when you don't do that is it's just a job and people will show up They'll do what they need to do. They'll mail it in or they'll be incredibly motivated to crush it, to make their money and move on. Um, And the reality is 49% of high performers are looking for jobs. So if you want to keep managing mediocrity, keep doing what you're doing. If you want to keep those high performers, you got to do more. Well, in those companies, there's such a high percentage of people that are disengaged. Mm -hmm. In fact, when somebody does leave, they left months ago, six months ago, nine months ago. They're just doing the motions, putting their resume out, hitting the headhunters, checking social media, checking LinkedIn, just barely doing enough work Mm -hmm. just not to get noticed, not to get fired. And it's like, woo, all right, sayonara. 
<laughs> don't don't want to be here anymore. And but yet the company doesn't change. They still see, you know, well, it, it, um, there's just horrible people out there. There's a reason why we we have high turnovers because there's nobody good to hire. Well, I disagree. I think there are amazing people to hire. And I think there are some really tremendous leaders out there. And actually, I just saw two posts this week of people bragging about their company culture. Do you know the joy that that brought to my heart? Because there are there are organizations that are doing it right. And when I asked them the question, give me some examples of what they're doing right. I mean, the first thing out of their mouth, I'm not being micromanaged. My leaders are giving me space to do my job. They're they're empowering me, encouraging me, and they're removing roadblocks so I can do the things that I need to do. I mean, that's that's how a good sales environment should function. And you know, the, the truth of the matter is, I know so many leaders that will fall rest on their laurels and say, I've been doing this for 20 years, 15 years, 10 years. Okay, when was the last time you took a class? When was the last time you sharpened your skills? When was the last time you changed the way you did something? Because my guess is you still don't have all the same people you've had for the last 20 years. People have moved on, they've been promoted, or they've left the company entirely. But how do you keep them? Losing someone's expensive. You know, Crazy. you have all that effort into training them and getting them up to speed and onboarding them and introducing them to clients and introducing them to the team. And when you remove that person, a lot of things get frayed. They get disconnected. People's equilibrium is off. They want to understand why and what happened and, oh, maybe I should be going too. And there's definitely a ripple effect that is um, not healthy. And leaders really, this is really what I specialize in is just helping these leaders stop that, you know, turnover process and build that culture where people begin to trust each other. They begin to stick their neck out for each other. They communicate and support each other. And that's something that everyone craves. They want collaboration, communication, and purpose. And leaders have to provide that. And if they don't, see ya. Well, imagine, Lindsay, I just get hired by HR. Mm-hmm. I walk in and I notice nobody's been there for more than like 18 months, two years. Mm-hmm. And that's like one person. That's the outlier. Everybody else is six months to a year out. That's like a big red flag. Mm-hmm. To me, that's like, hey, I wonder why that amazing, beautiful woman is still single, because mm-hmm. that's a red flag. I've well, been there and I, I've seen, but I've, I've seen the companies I worked for. My franchise was like that. The franchise or I had, I had to end my relationship with my mentor because he was the same way. And then he, he would always throw it on less than one year. Everybody in the staff, I'm just hard to work with. Mm-hmm. I demand excellence. No, you're a creep. Nobody <laughs> wants to work for you. And it shows me. <laughs> Don't say you're a Christian. Actions speak louder than words. Um, You hit on one of my favorite topics, which is interviewing. And I I love to give some tips to people that are interviewing. And one of the easiest ones to ask is, um, well, there's two. One, can I talk to a few people on your team? Immediately, the reaction should be telling. You're either going to get someone be like, absolutely, I'm going to set up three calls for you. There's three different people. You know, I'll let them know you're calling and here's their information. Or you're going to get, 
Oh, we don't we don't really do that here. Exactly. I wonder red flag, why. Red flag, right? red flag. Or the other one is tell me about your culture. Now, if their first answer is, oh, well, you know, we've got business resource groups and we've got like, you know, uh, an African-American group and an Asian group and and we do gay pride stuff in June. Like, OK, it's not totally what I'm asking. Those are good things and those are important. But like, how do people feel about the company? How do people feel when things aren't going well? How do you manage? Tell me what you do when things are going south. How do you motivate your team? And where do you infuse fun? If they can't answer any of those questions, again, red flag. You want somebody that is so proud of where they work. And listen, every company has issues. It's never perfect. But you got to have an environment where at least it's set up for success. And I think by asking some of those questions, you can get a real good litmus test for what it's really like. Well, the the sad part, though, too, when it comes to building culture, having fun, having a great work environment, a lot of these companies are like, oh, well, we have a ping pong table. Mm -hmm. Wow. Congratulations. That's That's not culture. That's a perk. Exactly. That's Mm -hmm. a perk. That's not culture. And you decided to throw a ping pong table because you heard Cupertino has it. You heard Google has it. Everybody has it now. Yeah, everybody has it because, you know, you're not the innovator. You're a follower. But it's, it's like what you said. Let's ask your current employees, hey, what do you like about this company? Some of the companies I worked for, everybody was so disengaged. We all had the million that 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 mile stare like we were in prison that we're like please somebody save us put me out of my misery but hey you know why why should those companies change right (laughs) it's just so important i mean look you can do your homework on facebook on linkedin and and you know you can try and find all the morsels of information but seeing how that leader responds when you ask that question is going to be very telling and um i think so many leaders underestimate how important it is to infuse fun and infuse joy. Um, and I, I just, that was something I did a lot of, but you know, you spend more than 50% of your life in your work environment. Exactly. You want to enjoy it and, and be connected to the people that you work with. It's just so important as a leader to provide that for your teams. I did a, um, when I was managing a pretty big team at one point, I did a Kahoot. And if you've ever done a Kahoot, you know, it's this multimedia music and pictures. And I created this multiple choice quiz and I asked everyone on the team, send me a a fact that nobody knows about you. And so this quiz was fun. And it was just this, um, you know, it was just like an hour that we spent together. We had cocktails and it was um, one of the questions was, This person has visited every major ballpark in North America, but one. And so the answers were three men and one woman and everybody answered the man uh, answered the men. And it was really Marsha, the woman. And from that point forward, everyone remembered that fact about Marsha and it created connection. But we did this for like 40 questions. So all of a sudden you had all this information. There was a grandmother who loved hard rock and she lived in Ohio and you would never think that that was her jam. And so everybody had these opportunities to just 
have a chat and have a, Hey, I have to talk to you. My son's a drummer and I want to know, like, do you follow this music? Whatever it was, it didn't have to be related to your everyday stuff, but it created laughter. It created connection. And you know, the cool thing, Omar, just recently, um, one of my old managers was in town and he was having a team meeting and he said, why don't you come for dinner? And so I came and there was a whole bunch of my old team that was there And they just validated that everything that we built as a team and all of the joy and all of the fun that we infused and their psychological safety that the leadership team provided was still there because the manager that I put in place knew how to do it. And they all said, he is the reason we are still in this job. You set us up for success. He has carried that torch. And we are so grateful for that. Do you know how validating that was that I was doing something right all along and see just, you know, a year and a half later, these guys were still doing so great and still happy and working for someone they respected, admired, and would die on the vine for. There's, there's, amen. There's always a sale. Either you're selling your customers on why you need to invest, why you need to buy the product, mm-hmm. but also within your team, you need to sell them on why. Why are we amazing? And it's simple. Treat them great. Treat them like a team. Don't treat them like a number. Mm-hmm. And they will care. They will see that that you actually think about them more than, hey, what's the numbers? What's mm-hmm. the numbers look? Why haven't we hit that? When you have people, when you have that connection, when you have that rapport, when when the, the leader has that rapport with his sales staff, with every aspect of the team, it's all hits. Your sales go up. Everybody's happy. Sales go up means boss is happy. Mm-hmm. The quarter, the quarterly numbers are happy. Everybody's happy. I don't know how hard that is as a concept. Well, you know, in sales, it's interesting. Everybody's first focus is the client, as it should be, right? You have stuff you have to sell. You need to be profitable. Makes sense. But the part that gets neglected is the people. And in sales, everyone is so focused on hitting their number and the pressure and the nurturing happens outside of sales. And sales has their own HR department, their own marketing teams, their own budgets. So when you can kind of shift your focus a little bit, I'm not saying massive, nothing I teach is ripping a house down to the ground. It's it's rewiring, it's tweaking, it's changing language. When you can do that for your people, you set them up to thrive. And it doesn't take the focus away from the work that needs to be done with the clients. It just empowers the people to do their best work. And that's something that's so, so critical to success. <laughs> A- Amen. Amen. It, it, I, it's funny, though, Lindsay, a lot of times you'll hear bosses, not leaders say, well, the reason why I do it this way is because I was treated this way. I know nothing different. Well, clearly, if you're an entrepreneur and you left corporate America because you didn't want to be treated like a number, you got laid off. To, to meet the quarterly numbers or whatnot, you move into becoming an entrepreneur. If you don't like being treated like that, then why do you think your team, your employees are any different? They're like, oh, yeah. but it, it's, it's what I know. Well, you left that. 
So why are you going to be treating people the same way that you refuse that you hated to be treated? It's common sense, but yet they'll you know they'll use that excuse because oh it's it's tough to change. I don't know how to change. Use some common sense. Is this the way you want to be treated? Right. It, if you've never experienced good leadership, it's hard to know how to do it. But let me give you a couple of examples. I had a boss who I'm still very close with to this day, and she hired me into this job. It was a very big job. And I was telling her what I what my plan was. This was my business plan. I wanted to take her through it. And she looked at me and she says, girl, I've got your back. Now fly. Do you know what those words meant to me? It meant she trusted me. It meant she believed in me and she thought what I was doing was smart. And so I felt empowered. I felt excited. I wanted to share what I was doing with others. I had another leader who said to me, I promoted you into this job. It's a really big job. You've got a really big team. What are your ideas? How do you want to make this better? And I looked at her and I went, you want to know? Oh, oh, hold on. I got to go ask my team. And I came back and I said, you guys, we have a great opportunity here. We have a great opportunity to build some new best practices. Tell me everything that has worked for you, things that you've tried, things you things you might think are even crazy that you want to try. We're going to try some new things. We're going to fail at some of them, but we're going to learn from that failure. And we're going to figure out what worked in that moment and what we should keep on doing. Well, we developed so many best practices as a result of this. My team felt they had skin in the game. They felt, hey, I saw the person who created that idea. She's now doing it and she's giving them the spotlight and them the credit. I want to try something. And it just creates this you know, excitement and, and camaraderie and trust amongst the team of, I was on the call where we heard this for the first time. I can't believe it's working. This is great. How exciting. So when you have a leader that can provide that environment for you, that trusts their leaders, that trusts their team. And I said to my team all the time, I go, y'all were hired in these jobs because you're good at what you do. You earned it. So I need to give you the space to do your job. If you're stuck and if you're unsure of what to do, absolutely come to me. We're going to work it out. And some reps needed coaching and some reps needed role playing and some reps needed an escalation point. But the reality was you had to meet people where they were. And based on tenure and age and experience, everybody had different needs. And as a leader, you had to see that and you had to be able to say, okay, I'm not going to parent the same way for my children because they're different. And I'm not going to manage the same way because you're all different. Of course, you can have like, these are the ground rules. But when it comes to making it a personal experience and asking people what their aspirations are, asking them where they're stuck, asking that question, how can I be the best manager for you? You'll get really wonderful intelligence and you'll build trust where you may not have had it before. Now that's the leader. The boss will say, personal experience. I'm not their brother. I'm not their sister. I'm not their mother. I'm not their father. I just want them to do the job and get it done. Hit the numbers. If they need an accountability partner when they're feeling bad, they need somebody to ask them how they're doing, how their day went, then clearly they're not working and they don't need to be here. Well, I don't think you have to ask your team how their day went. 
although it's certainly nice. And I will tell you, there's something to be said for being friends with your bosses. I've had so many bosses that I've stayed friends with over the years, and they're still my pillars of wisdom, my sounding boards, my gut check when I think I'm wrong. But when you can take the time to check in, and as a leader, if you're not checking in with your people pretty regularly, you're not doing your job. Full stop. So anybody that thinks that I'm just here to manage a number, I'm just here to get us there, and I'm, and I'm going to yell at my team to get them to do what they need to do. Okay. How inspired are they? <laughs> How much do they love their jobs? <laughs> my guess is not so much. You, you see, I'm, I'm the opposite. I'm, I'm, I'm friends w- with the bosses, not, not the leaders that I ever had. I had a couple that were, were great empowering leaders my my social media is filled with like the the horrible bosses if they if they could make a part three and i i could write i i would put some of these guys some of these cast it's like the the lead the lead guy just based on it and people are like oh that's so over the top that 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 that's that there's no way that's possible. It's fiction. And it's like, no, no, this is actually how these people operate. Well, and I mean, I think we probably both have some horror stories that we could share of, you know, what not to do. And um, believe me, the ones that I've had would make your toes curl. But the, the truth of the matter is, I know better. I would never repeat that. I mean, I, I tell the stories often, but I would never repeat that as a leader. Um, but it takes someone to put the mirror in front of you and show you why you shouldn't say something like, um, I had one, one leader who's asked me, I was working closely with my team and I was explaining where they were. And the guy looks at me in front of 12 people, you sleeping with them. I mean, that's a horrible thing (laughs) as a leader to say to one of two women in a, in a room full of 20 people, horrible. And, you know, that should have been like massive HR violation. But at the time, I didn't have the um, support and the the safety to be able to talk to anyone about it. So I just took my lumps and I just kept on going. But rest assured, I never trusted that man again. And uh, I wanted nothing to do with the guy. And unfortunately for him, everyone saw what he, the way he treated me and they didn't like it much either. Well, I'm sure you treated everybody. It, it, a lot of times, though, well, I, well, he treated you like that because what you're a woman. Well, he didn't really like women, so oh. that was well. <laughs> I'm old <harder>. school. <laughs> I'm a product of the night of the fifties. <laughs> that that's okay. I mean, I, my my one of my bosses said I didn't have the face for TV, which which was really him trying to say in a nice way. I'm I'm Hispanic. And, you know, it's like, okay. But but at the same time, he said, I needed to quit the job and go back to Miami. This is in Louisiana. Because, get this, big Miami Vice fan. Everybody from Miami is wealthy. Everybody in Miami drives Ferraris. So he thought, I I actually took a job paying like $15,000 a year. Not not 1955, mind you, 1995, 1996. Hey, you got you gotta leave, man. Get, give this job to somebody that deserves it. And I'm like, it, my 
my programming was a little off because I'm like, oh, this guy's like my fraternity. You know, he just wants me to pay my dues. He's hazing me now. He really likes me. <laughs> That's why he, he really didn't like me, but it was like goofy stuff like that. Like, you know, quit this high-paying job of $15,000 a year. Well, yeah. And I guess his only frame of reference was Miami Vice and that that my mom uh, paid out-of-state tuition. And it's funny because recently, uh, you 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 and a few other people are or the only ones that know this and whoever listens to this, obviously I sent him something. I'm like, you know, we'll call him. I changed the name to the innocent. So maybe it's his real name. I'm like, Mike, I DM him. I'm like, I just want you to know that you really insulted my mother. She worked two full-time jobs so she could pay for my out-of-state tuition at LSU. So that's where you're go back to your, becoming a millionaire and all and then he sent back oh i'm so proud of you and you know i i I could tell it's like one of those apologies i never opened it because how insincere he should have done that years ago man so but but it was like i it was just like one of those moments it's like hey you know i love my mom and you know i just wanted this guy to know and i felt like saying you're so proud of me you've never listened to a podcast Mm. Yeah, I think there's an element of humility that a lot of um, kind of old school leaders lack and having humility and awareness of how you sound and how you how you read the room is is so important. And um, it's it's a skill that more leaders need to pay attention to and giving people the space to respond versus just filling the conversation with nonsense. It's it's we're a, the same age. We're Generation Xers, so we're, we're, we just hit thirty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you think it, it was just basically a lot of bosses back then felt like they had to be like the alpha male? Yeah, I think um, a lot. Ego. I think a lot of people mistake leadership, and certainly back then, mistake leadership for power. And um, I watched a lot of people get into their first management job. And the first thing in their mind was, I get to make people do things now. And that's not the point of being a leader. The point of being a leader is to get the best out of people. And there wasn't a whole lot of emphasis on EQ back then. And there wasn't a whole lot of emphasis on, you know, how do I inspire people to rise up? It was, we have a job to do, get it done and let's crush it and let's party. And of course there was the celebrations and the joy and there was, you know, a lot of fun that we had back in the day, but there was also a lot of nonsense and a lot of mismanagement. And now there's really no excuse. I mean, there's so many free courses, there's coaches everywhere. Um, You know, if, if you are a leader and you hear these words and they don't, they're resonating to you and you don't know where to start. Talk to somebody like me. I mean, I have so many friends that are coaches and executive coaches and would love an opportunity to work with a leader to say, nothing you're doing is horrible, but let's tweak it. Let's, let's say things a little differently. Let's talk to your team a little differently. Let's do some exercises to build some trust. And it takes time. You can't tell your team, you're going to trust me at the end of the month. Like, 
<laughs> well, yeah, at, at, it, it, it's either that or there's two things that could have happened. The ghost of Christmas future. Yeah. <laughs> or he just came back to the oncologist. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's just. You're well, nothing. think about it. You know, you you think you're you, you think you're General Patton or General Omar Bradley, and then overnight you you have this epiphany, and you're like, okay, guys, I want to be more like Fred Rogers. You know, mm-hmm. so but most people are going to be like, no, it doesn't work like that. And the truth of the matter is, people want the person they don't want an ogre they want a well-rounded person and when you can show a little bit of vulnerability and you can say you know hey let me share what's going on in my life i want to hear about yours you all of a sudden have created a point of connection you know if you are a father of six kids oh my gosh how do you do it how do you do your job and how do you handle your six kids it's a way to create conversation and having that personal connection means something and it really creates more than just a employer employee or boss and employee kind of role um it it opens things up for more dialogue and more sharing being an entrepreneur for 20 years the easiest thing is just common sense Mm -hmm. treat them the way you want to be treated and i i know it's mind-blowing I, I know ken blanchard's getting ready to call me up so we we can write a book together on, on that am- amazing concept but you know all those leadership books all the leadership seminars and pretty much it comes down to you know build rapport connect have empathy but isn't that the way you sell like exactly that's what i'm saying can't we can't we that's why i said we're selling the customer we need to sell our team you know why do you want a revolving door why why do you want a boiler room that you need a roster that you're like okay well who are these new oh don't worry this is our new sales staff because you know everybody else well, your numbers, yeah. no matter what, will never go higher because you're too busy training the new people that are getting ready to leave in a few months. And, you know, it, it's that constant revolving door. Well, you have to make your work environment so sticky that people don't want to leave. And not only do they not want to leave, they talk about how great it is on social media. And who doesn't want that advertising? That's amazing. Oh, I I had the opportunity to to sit in on a couple of those small companies like that thriving, and it's like I felt like I wanted to leave my resume and go thank you, thank you for letting me speak to this office. You want to be a part of it, yes, because it's energy, and you can feel that. Yes, it it, it is a us. It's a we. It's Mm -hmm. a family. That was the environment I created with my team. And I had people calling every week, Lens, how do I get on your team? What role could I take? When are you hiring? When are you getting headcount? Because we created this environment with psychological safety, we had fun, we enjoyed each other, we supported each other, we taught each other. Like that was 
That was the beautiful thing. But the reality was I had a leader who provided that for me. So I was able to provide it to my managers who provided it to their teams. And the truth is when you have that kind of leadership, it trickles down in the best way. Amen. Okay. Before I I left sold out, I I guess I was seeing that, you know, when your, your life flashes before your eyes, well, my being an entrepreneur for Smoothie King, I just kept on, there's no such thing as randomness, meeting people that I empowered, that I employed, my managers, my general managers. Like I was meeting them. They wanted me to meet their children and it and say, hey, you know, you're an amazing boss. You're the best boss I ever had. To me, that 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 was the best thing anybody could ever say. Sure. These people, these, I treated them like a family and yeah, we're friends on social media. It wasn't like, they're like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> you know, thank, thank you for ruining my, my life. No, nobody ever said that because you know what it, it takes the same amount of effort treating somebody like crap as it does inspiring and having them lead mm-hmm. and, and guide them to, becoming a better person. Yeah. I say all the time, don't be the star of someone's bad memory. You can do better. Exactly. But think about it. I I still have dreams about my horrible experiences with a lot of these companies. And and some of these were were almost more than 25 years. Mm -hmm. It sticks with you because it hurts. And, And you can choose to let it wound you. Or you can choose to seek out something better. Oh, that's why. I mean, I, I thank them because I wanted to empower yeah. people. I wanted to lead people. I wanted to show them that not it's not clock in, clock out. I hate my job. I hope this place burns down. I that's that that's not that's not how I ever operated and never would. Mm-hmm. And, but it's it's funny. You know, seeing companies like my my ex mentor, my my ex franchise, that was another thing. the The founders, him and his wife, sold new guy, horrible. Wanted everybody to know that he saw everything in the corporate office. That hey, I have them under my thumb, and it was like a revolving door. And it's like, dude. And you're proud of that? It, you're you're talking about that at a at a at the national convention. I see everybody. Congratulations. Maybe we should put that on a poster and sell it right next to the leadership poster and the teamwork poster. I see everybody. It's rough. Yeah, I, I think um, when you say you know my team is now this many people, they're not talking like my my phrase is heartbeats, not headcount. You're talking numbers, you're not talking people. And the truth of the matter is when you're talking people and when you can tell the stories of the people on your team, it makes your team richer. It makes it a place where people want to be. And every leader has the capability of doing it. It's nothing I teach is too hard. It's it's just being able to understand the impact of their words and a way to do better. Well, just get to know them. On, you know, how hard is it? Mm-hmm. If if you work for me, I know University of Colorado. You're a graduate. 
I almost went there. <laughs> but Coach McCartney and all that back in the early 90s. Yep. You have twins. And, and that's like that. That's minimal amount of work to f- actually, hey, you know, it, and it could be in any business. This is your team. How hard is it just to bring in somebody into their office? Now, if your uncle, if if you need, if your uncle Scrooge, you know, the person's going to be like taken aback, like, oh my gosh, we're downsizing. Yeah. Are you firing me? Yeah. yeah. I'm getting fired. So maybe the first time you do this, you know, they're going to look at you like, oh my or God. Or have, have a team call and say, hey guys, I haven't done the best job in connecting with you. I want to set up some one-on-one time. So yeah, exactly. we're going to do our numbers one week. We're going to do like career pathing and talking about you the next week. They're all going to be like, what does that, what does that mean? And then they get to experience it. And well, what, what do you think about like taking the, t- like retreats and it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be like a full day retreat somewhere. It, Here's it, the reality. I see so many people spending money on these like big hoopla, you know, outings where you're going to break off into your little clicks you're going to have some beers over here. You're going to have some chatting over there, whatever it, unless you're doing a team activity that is designed to forge connection, they don't always have um, the best result. And I would rather see the money spent teaching leaders how to lead better. And that's when you can forge connection and that doesn't cost money. So to me, the, the retreats are always fun. And you can connect with your peers, but they don't always, um, they don't always force the right behaviors. So it depends because, on what you do. Because it's just like high school at times. Can be. You, you, you hang out with the people you feel. Well, think about the new people too. Like how are they getting brought in? And depending on the leader's style, is the leader inclusive? Is the leader saying, hey, have you met Kathy over here? She, you know, rescues turtles. What? I love turtles. Like, you know, you have to kind of find those connections for them because they might not do it on their own. And especially if they're new, new people are always trying to figure out, you know, who am I paying attention to? Who do I want to align myself with? Where, where are my friends? Where are the people I can speak openly with? And it's not always evident um, un- until they've been there for a while and they've probably made a mistake or two. Well, isn't it just a lot easier, the leader getting to know his new um, team member mm-hmm. and then making it a point to bring the team member into the quote unquote new family? Yeah. Go, yeah, this is, you know, this it's is their job. Such- it's yeah. their job. And not enough leaders understand that. And um, I see over and over again, you know, I'm working with a client right now and he was telling me that um, he said three of our VPs are getting ready to retire in the next five years. And he'd say, what are we going to do about it? And his boss says, we'll figure it out. And I said, I'm like, hope is not a strategy. You've got to be giving, giving it a little more thought than that. And, um, you know, it's, it's that kind of fly by the seat of your pants, you know, leadership. That's not, um, real soothing to the people that are concerned. Well, that that's a company too. 
that always hires out when it hits the fan per se when oh my gosh we need to find somebody there's this huge sense of urgency it's like an emergency like the place is on fire and what they do is they grab a mirror they put it underneath any applicant they see if they're breathing and they're like okay we're gonna hire this guy who cares about the qualifications or if they're a fit and then they're like oh my gosh yeah that didn't seem to work out <laughs> so yeah no, that's a horrible strategy hey let's let's just wait not a strategy wait, wait it's a lack of strategy maybe what we'll, we'll hit rapture Maybe the company will be sold. You know, maybe all of us will win the the lottery. But but that's Rough. that's the way a lot of companies, and it's not just publicly traded corporations. All the way down to the, your solopreneur, entrepreneur, they don't have much of when it comes to stuff like that. They don't have a plan, a five year plan, a one year plan. They don't have an exit strategy, much less okay. Well, five years we're going to have to replace our vice president what, what what's gonna what usually happens is they're like okay we have four years okay we have three years we still have time and then we're like oh well you know they throw the guy at the party well the worst <laughs> part is they have a pool of directors that they can pull from and they won't include them in any of the executive leadership team meetings so you could be grooming them they're already there mm-hmm but he but wants to keep it exclusive. It not only is it exclusive, but it's like to them, it's like a dog eat dog world. Well, maybe, maybe these guys are gunning for us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, how safe is that? That that we we bring them in, we train, we groom them. We have a couple of years of teaching them about leadership. We don't just give them the, the leadership poster. And, and tell them the way to operate is just to, just speak when spoken to. Don't ask and only do what you're supposed to be doing. No bueno, my friend. No bueno. It, it, it's crazy. Uh, you know, I, that, that's one thing. It's, I, I see your fight. And I see companies evolving. I, we, we, everybody has to evolve, but there's still a lot of companies, a lot of bosses that, hey, it is what it is. Suck it up. And what happens is that that's where you get the, oh, I hate this new generation. I hate these millennials, these Gen Zs. I, I think that is work. so foolish. That is such a foolish notion of labeling a group of people that way. And you know, I saw a really awesome suggestion the other day on LinkedIn, and um, someone said, you know, if you've just hired 10 new employees, why don't you put the top three problems that you're trying to solve in front of these new hires and get their fresh perspective? And I'm like, how brilliant is that? Because, you know, everybody that's been in the trenches for a while, they're a little jaded. They're like, we, this is what we can't do. We can't do this because, and this is... You know, but if you have some fresh eyes who you're hiring, you're already putting your confidence in them, let them share. And that is a secure leader. That is somebody that says, I want to hear what you have to say. You have great experience and that's why we hired you. But that's that's also in, talk about inclusion right there. You hired these people. They, they're all 
already feeling a little lost, brand new company, and you're bringing, what a way to bring them in. You're you're literally bringing them in, throwing them into the fire, saying, "Hey, we value you. Yeah, I trust you. How do you feel? We can solve this problem because we brought you here because we That's believe it. in you. That's it. Well, and." I don't even look at it as you're putting them into the fire. It's giving them an opportunity to be heard. And what a reward, what a, what a gratifying thing for my senior management to say, listen, we're thrilled you're here and we know you have some good ideas. What do you think about this? Yeah, but, but think about it. They're, they're going to be shocked unless this is their first job out of college. This is, you know, multiple jobs they've yeah. experienced the sure. bosses, not the leaders. This is going to be like a, you know, a, a wake Big up breath of fresh air. Yeah. yeah. Like, like yeah. you just gave them like a case of Red Bull to drink. Right? Talk about like giving a boost of energy. But imagine they're going to tell people that they're going to be like, guys, I'm in my second week. This is what they asked me to say. This is what I get to give my ideas. I have this really unique perspective and they value that. Like if someone did that for me, I would be telling everyone. I would think that is just the coolest thing ever. Oh, I, I think so too. I'm 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 like the guy that watched Office Space and can relate because usually, yeah. you know, brand new company, you, you know, you you know, you're hired. This is your first week, your second week, and they're talking about the TPS reports. I don't know how to do the TPS reports. I mean, it's not satire. The movie it's supposed to be satire, but. It's, it's pretty it's, real. It's pretty real in every aspect. Yeah. So I've I've got a major question to ask you. Go for it. If if I had a company, it'd be a no-brainer. I mean, I I would hire you in a heartbeat. Thanks, man. Pun intended. Heartbeat for hire. That's why a heartbeat for hire. <laughs> this is the time to plug. How to my listeners and how to smart people that want to put their ego aside, want to step past their comfort zone, try something different because yeah. they're doing the same thing over and over. How do they find you? Well, and let me tell those smart people, if you work with somebody like me, this is not an admission of failure. This is an investment in your people. And that's the way you need to think about it. And as soon as you shift your mindset, you're going to be much more open and much more willing to do right by your people. You don't want to lose anymore. So how you find me, it's really easy. Heartbeatforhire.com. I am on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. And I think we're putting my podcast on YouTube now too, at all Lindsay Dowd, H for H. I'm sure you're going to share that. Um, but Omar, this is this has been really fun. It's it's because it's we connect. We have, we. I connected with you the moment we first did the business rumble. Or the first time we spoke, even before yep. that, just because like-minded people. Yep. And to me, it's funny because we're talking about this. You and I see this as common sense. For yeah. some, for some, they've never experienced it. Yeah, and some people, this is like, oh, this is this is fantasy land. This, <laughs> this, this can't this can't happen. This, is, a, this is the real world because they've never experienced it, and and it's remarkable when they do because it's so life-altering for them. <laughs> big, big time life-altering. So here's another question though. Have have you ever dealt with the per conflicting messages? 
I want to hire you, mm-hmm. but they can't change. And you just what? have to yeah. hit I'm them dealing, over the head or let them I'm dealing with a client right now. This is so, it's so rough. Um, I have a, another company, it's called the sales tune-up and we do what I do, but we do it for automotive dealerships. And so I'm working with a dealer right now and we went in and pitched to him and um, the next day, three people quit. <laughs> and then um, his general manager for his second dealership quit. And I'm looking at my partner and the two of us are going, um, he really needs us. And we talked a little bit about what we do around supporting women and how it's so important in the automotive space to make room for female customers as well as your female sellers. And he says, oh, my, my wife won't even come in the dealership. And I'm going, oh my God. So we've been following up with him for weeks now, really hoping he kind of gets it and um, and hires us. We're getting closer, but it's been a slog trying to get his attention. You know, so. it's one of the hardest jobs, but it can be one of the easiest. Mm-hmm. If you show transparency, mm-hmm. you have integrity, yep. you connect, you speak to the customer, mm-hmm. you try to solve their problem, and you don't go with the usual, I'm going to have to go speak to my manager. <laughs> yeah. Wait, yeah. wait, wait. Oh, I, don't, I think you're going to get a heck of a deal. Let me go. I'll, I'll be right I don't know anybody that really loves going to a car dealership. Because they all operate the same way. How especially women. And oh my God. They they look at women like, oh, you, you just want a red car. No, no. The worst question they ask is who's here to co-sign your loan? And that is like, oh no, you can't say that anymore. Yeah. So But that's like what from like 1975? I, I couldn't imagine. If I went to a car dealership, I I, I know I, I I could kill it. Just treat women with respect. Don't be condescending. Mo, you know, men and women are are pretty much the same. Not not every male reads car and driver, motor trend, and knows how many horsepowers, the torque, the zero to sixty. Yeah. And, and, and talk we can to, talk about this for a while, Omar. Yeah, don't, oh, well, how much is a car? Well, how much can you afford? Yeah. I, I can afford a Rolls Royce. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why are you asking such stupid questions? How much can you afford? Well, <laughs> well, we'll save that chat for another day. Well, uh, well we, we keep on running into each other. So I, I'm sure that, that'll be another, either my episode or your episode. Maybe I'll have to get a, a part-time job. At a car dealership. And I was like, hey, <laughs> Lindsay, you see, I told you. Come over, we need your help. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's crazy because they they have so so much trainings. I mean, that that's how Grant Cardone started was selling. Mm-hmm. He was the number one car sales guy, and then he created programs. But yet, people are still. This is the way to do it. Mm-hmm. Or they've never had anyone from the outside teach them. There's another way. And that's why what we do is so important and so healthy for them. Um, so I know we're at time, but we could talk about this. That, that's okay. Hey, hey, I love you. Thank you for being on my show. Always a pleasure. We, we can speak 
for hours and hours and hours just because we <laughs> we actually do agree on everything. Yeah. So there there won't be another business rumble because we're supposed to have opposing no. viewpoints. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lindsay. Stay, stay well, my friend. Thanks for having me. How do you get influencers to talk about your business? AccessMyNetwork.com. Collaborate with industry-leading influencers on social media when you sign up. AccessMyNetwork.com. Start your brand awareness campaigns and generate leads. AccessMyNetwork.com. I never told no one that. My whole life I've been holding back. Every time I load my gun up so I can shoot for the stars. I hear a voice like, who do you think you are? Negative thoughts come to mind when I start thinking bold. Like, why you chasing dreams? Aren't you getting kind of old? I knew I needed help. I had no self-confidence, didn't believe in myself. I tried not to feel or listen to my intuition to start a business. But before I even started, I feel like it's finished. You got a vision. And let me say, I don't care if they your blood got the same DNA. They can't feel how you feel. They can't see what you see. Wanna change your life? You gotta change the way you think. The thoughts in your mind is the boss of your life. Nothing but good vibes every day. I'm thinking like, what if it did work? What if you took action and made it happen and started living inside of your purpose? What if it did work? Right now you can make the choice to never listen to that negative voice no more. The hardest prison to escape is our own mind. I was trapped inside that prison all for a long time. To make it happen, you gotta take action. Just imagine what if it did work.